Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Justin Rutkowski on the Wealthy Sports Lounge. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, very excited to introduce our special guest tonight. But before I do, just want to say a shout out to our sponsors at Defender Gear Apparel. Um, if you are an American, a patriot, if you love your country and stuff like that, check out Defender Gear. Um, they've got all the, the swag you need, t-shirts, hats, hoodies, all that good stuff. Click the link in the description below, uh, get 15% off your first order. And, uh, if you don't like it, you're probably a communist. So that's all I got to say about that. I'd like to welcome aboard, uh, my friend Zach Davis coming to you live from Kalamazoo, Michigan tonight. How you doing, Zach? Doing pretty well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I ah, sounds so professional coming on a, <laughs> uh, a sports podcast. We're going to break them in here real quick. But um, Tyler being in Hawaii this week, I uh, had to get a little bit creative because I wanted to do a show. Um, but it's the off season. So I the last thing I wanted to do is just sit here and drone on for an hour by myself about um, what's going on in the Lions preseason camp. Like who gives a flip? But uh, Zach's uh, tuning in here and we got to talking. I got to know Zach really well at um, a bachelor party in, in Milwaukee back uh, at the beginning of the summer. And we just got talking about we just started talking ball. And uh, you happen to be a lot more into college football than I am. So I thought it'd be a great idea to have you on and just kind of talk about the overall landscape of college football and what you're... Oh, by the way, big Ohio State homer got the... Uh, wh- whose jersey is that? Got the jersey on. It's actually Zeke's back uh, mm. when he used to play for Ohio State. You know, it's oh. funny because this is the second time that I've had an Ohio State homer on to talk specifically college football. Like you guys, like you Ohio State guys just don't shut up about college football. Like it's awesome. Robbie Sullivan, good friend of mine. He was actually the best man at my wedding. He uh, he came on the show one time and we did a, a segment about how we thought that Ohio State wouldn't get crushed by Alabama in the uh, in in the championship game. And they're. Alabama's laying like eight points. I was like, man, that's way too much. I'll take the Buckeyes in the eight, and they lost by like 25, whatever. Yeah, that didn't work out so well. (laughs) But hey, we got them in the first college football playoff, so I'll take that one at least. But it's kind of becoming a a standard procedure having Ohio State and Alabama in the playoffs. Every now and then you get your off years where Ohio State doesn't make it. Uh, They're They're like the sixth ranked team or something like that. A weird year for them. It, they are excellent at finishing in the top 10 and just barely missing the playoffs. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're, they were pretty good at that, especially uh, during the back and forth between Clemson and Alabama, which is still going on. Uh, I actually expect Clemson to be pretty good this year, but uh, we'll see how that all pans out. You got Georgia in the mix now. So a couple extra contenders switch it up a little bit. It's not always the back and forth that it used to be every year. It was Alabama Clemson for like three straight years. Mm-hmm. It was like the golden state warriors and the Cavs for those yeah. three straight years. Yeah. Like uh, gets a little stale after a while for sure. And I'll, I'll introduce you to my thought process on college football before we get into the show. I was always in the camp of college football is like really culty. So if you don't like if you don't have a team that you're just like super passionate about, it's kind of hard to be a fan of the show because or a fan of the uh, the sport itself of college football because the because it can be so condensed down to just a few teams that are playing games that matter and everybody else is just playing for, you know, uh, you know, the Goodyear Bowl or whatever the hell it is. So I, I've, I've been frustrated that that was kind of my big beef with college football. I was just like, you know, there's like, 
in a on a good year, there's like five teams at the beginning of the season that realistically have a shot of winning the title, and then there will be like a dark horse team or something that squeezes into the um, the final four, like like Michigan State did the first year that there was a playoff, which was pretty cool, and then they got spanked by Alabama. So um, that was an so, overall miracle year for Michigan State, though. I gotta it was, say, it there was, was a, there was a couple of that was the the uh, blocked punt for uh, yep. the Michigan Michigan State game, which yep. is probably one of the most insane moments in college football in the last 10 100 percent it's it's on the same level of the iron bowl finishing with the the field the goal return six. for a t- the kick six yeah yep. it's on that same level of historic moments uh, in college football at least in my lifetime anyway um yeah there that that clip will be played um for for eternity as long as the sport is a thing this it's similar to like i think it was a rose bowl game where the the band came onto the field like that was like 50 years ago like 50 years from now we'll be watching the kick six and the the miracle at at the at the big house yeah i'm not exactly sure which year that was but i know that was baylor that was returning the yeah the, they had like 10 shuffle passes back and forth as they were going down the field yeah and the band came out because they thought he had been tackled and yeah that was yeah. that was a crazy play too i want to say it was baylor calif like i think it was baylor and cal i want to say that sounds right. I, I know it was Baylor that actually returned the kick, but it does mm-hmm. that that does sound right. I'm not yeah. entirely sure, so don't quote me on that. But yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so anyway, that's been my beef with the NCAA. But the last couple of years, and I think name Im- name image likeness has driven a lot of this. TV money has also driven a lot of this. Um, but we've seen a drastic change in the overall college football landscape over the last, I mean, the last two years, but really this this offseason has been nuts um, with just blue-chip programs just up and leaving their conferences. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC and uh, the USC-UCLA going to the Big Ten. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, what you're seeing is teams not exactly following tradition anymore, but following the money. Uh, there is a significant difference in the actual TV revenue when it comes between the SEC and the Big Ten and everyone else on the field. And they're projecting just, uh, I saw an article like a couple of days ago that USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 alone, uh, every team that's in the Pac-12 will lose $10 million a year in TV money. That's the estimate for it. So That's wild. Yeah, it's uh, those those are the two biggest markets, maybe excluding Oregon and Washington and the Pac-12. And then you have Texas and Oklahoma, and that's practically all of the Big 12. Uh, I think the largest TV market besides Oklahoma and Texas is actually Oklahoma State, which is it's it's not really Oklahoma State. Uh, Oh, man, it's uh, either. I just heard it today too because I was just talking about it. Um, gosh, I don't know off the top of my head right now. It's in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Stillwater. Yeah, yeah. Stillwater. I was going to say that is? water, if, and I knew that wasn't right. If I put a gun to your head and say, "Hey, tell me where Stillwater, Oklahoma is in Oklahoma," you wouldn't know it, neither would I. Yeah, it's it's out in the middle of nowhere, from what I know. But yep, pretty much there is nothing there. It's like A and M. It's just a little college town. About right. It's probably smaller than like Mount Pleasant. Yep. Yeah. And obviously my perspective isn't necessarily from like cities watching. It's based on 
And this was kind of going into your comment from earlier where you're talking about people have a specific team that they follow. And I think it's more the brand. You know, you you have a team like, and Michigan might not be the best example anymore since they beat Ohio State last year and made the playoffs. But you have a team like USC. They have a lot of hype around them this year with their new coach. Um, but that was a program that had fallen off the face of the earth that was absolutely dominant for recording in progress. So this was really a, 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 a big shift in that regard. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, sorry, I had something jump on my screen there. No, you're good. And that was my fault. See the, the, one of the things when you're running the show and producing it yourself, um, it's always important to press record, not only on your audio mixer, but also on the zoom. So for those of you just tuning in on video now, welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, you had to stare at a blank screen for the first 10 minutes, but that was on me. So, um, so yeah, like, like what you said, you know, you're going to start seeing like a, a paradigm shift in, um, you know, we never really talk like we in baseball, it's a big thing. You've got your big market teams and your small market teams, NBA, same thing, big market, small market. Um, you know, Los Angeles Lakers, huge market, New York Knicks, huge Memphis Grizz Grizzlies, not so much. Um, so, but we're now in a phase where that, that, that is going to start becoming more and more of a reality where we're looking at colleges co or college programs as, you know, big market versus small market. And, um, I think that's, I think that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting world that college football is, um, is moving into because it's no long college football is no longer an amateur sport. It's a, it's a semi-professional league that is feeding the NFL is basically how I see it now. Right. And there's a lot of different factors that go into that as well. You were talking about earlier that it's just basically a team. Well, when a team joins a conference, they automatically, their value goes up if they're joining one of the power five conferences. So there really is a little bit more to it than just, oh, I'm from Pittsburgh or it's New York or those in Boston, you know, pick a big city and, and name a big market. But uh, it's, it's really a matter of, you know, there's conferences there is, I'm, I'm not even, uh, I never went to Ohio state and I'm a big Ohio state fan. Uh, mm -hmm. I grew up in Ohio just from living in Ohio. Everyone in Ohio is an Ohio state fan. Nobody is really a Cincinnati fan unless you live in Cincinnati. Mm. You know, it's, uh, it kind of capsulates more than just, you know, a city. It, it capsulates the state and then it's inside a conference. So there's, there's a couple extra features to it that kind of connect them and make them different markets than you'd expect. Yeah, absolutely. So when we're looking at this from a, you know, the money is obviously a huge side of it, but like, if you're just a fan of the sport, like, how do you feel about like, as a, as an Ohio State fan, how do you feel about, um, you know, UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten? Um, do you, do you think it's kind of a nothing burger or what, what are your thought? What's your thought process on that? Well, I'm definitely excited about it. Uh, I know that there are probably several big 10 people that actually hate it because it's kind of dealing away from the tradition. I mean, you have two random teams out in California and then you have the rest of the Midwest playing each other. So mm -hmm. I, I get why a lot of people wouldn't like it, but I think when it comes to the standpoint of like, we talked about money, 
is the big driver of this. The Big Ten's going out and they're they're picking up markets and teams that are historically good, that have had historically good programs, have historically good markets. And that's where all the value comes from. Um, actually, there is a, a decent case to be made that Ohio State, even though that they're not the best team in college football, I can say that being an Ohio State fan with, uh, with Alabama, I would mm-hmm. say Alabama is the best team in college football based on history over the last 10 years or so Absolutely, yep. and, and all of their championships. But there's a case to be made that Ohio State makes more money than Alabama does based on yeah. the amount of viewership they have per year. They actually had the highest viewed game last year with the Ohio State-Michigan game, and it wasn't even close. There mm-hmm. was, And this is just on Fox News, so, or uh, on Fox Sports. So this is not, uh, this isn't, streaming it's not youtube tv all mm. those stats don't even come into it it's not you know hulu sports or whatever yeah but this is just on the main program there was 16 million people that viewed that game the next closest one to it was alabama auburn at only 10 million mm-hmm. so it's a uh, it was quite a jump ohio state has a lot of viewerships on on their games they actually had the 12th highest for their season opener at minnesota on a thursday night wow so there is there's some some value to be had there. But what is it about you Buckeye fans that has that such a strong like following? Because it's not like Alabama, you know, you can make an argument for Alabama being in the in the deep south, like, you know, there's no pro football team within like three states of, you know, Alabama. Like I guess you got New Orleans, the New Orleans Saints to the left or to the west. You've got, uh, you know, the, the Atlanta Falcons kind of over to the east. Um, but like in that in that neck of the woods, like college football is king. Um, what do you think it is about Ohio, Ohio State fans? Because you've got, I mean, you've got three pro football teams within a four-hour drive of Columbus. Yep, that is definitely true. Uh, I think Cause it's because the because the pro football teams have sucked for so long, and the Buckeyes have been the only shining light in the state. <laughs> I mean, that might be. <laughs> I think I think the Browns have been doing all right at least for the last couple of years. But yeah, and the Bengals went to the Bengals and the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know. I think it might be. I don't actually know the full answer to that. It's a difference in sports, maybe like college over NFL. But I think it's just a matter of, you know, at Ohio, there is one college football team that's in a Power 5 conference. Mm-hmm. That's about to change in a couple of years with Cincinnati joining the Big 12. But yep. who's to say the Big 12 is even a power conference in a couple of years anyways? Mm-hmm. So, but I, I don't know. I would, say it's, I would say it's the value of that where everyone's an Ohio State fan in Ohio. I would even say there's a decent amount of Midwestern fans that are Ohio State fans just because Ohio State has been the dominant uh, team in the Midwest. That is the Midwest market. Mm-hmm. And you have teams that are in the Big Ten, and all of a sudden you have a Big Ten team that makes it to the playoffs. Maybe you don't like Ohio State. Maybe you're a Michigan fan. I can understand that. But I'd be cheering for Wisconsin if they made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'd be cheering for Iowa. I, I could name several teams. I yeah. might even cheer for Michigan, maybe. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I'll say this. I enjoyed watching Michigan represent the Big Ten in the, uh, um, in the playoff last year, like I, I enjoyed that. I thought they got a bit of a raw deal getting, uh, was it Georgia? They got, yeah, it was Georgia. Yeah. I mean, you're the, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough because if you end up being the, 
Uh, well, I, I it was it was seeded correctly because Cincinnati was the four seed, and you know there there's an argument to be made that if you know Michigan could have gotten lined up with Cincinnati, that they would have been you know in the final, but the the result ultimately would still been the same. But yeah, right. I mean, as a, as a Spartan fan, I'm, I'm not like a diehard, but I lean Sparty. Um, I I enjoyed watching Michigan in the um, in the college football playoff, no doubt about it. Plus, I could say, yeah, Spartans beat the team that made it to the college football <laughs> playoff. So that was actually a really cool game too to watch. I enjoyed watching that Michigan Michigan State game. But I think there is an added X factor that they don't like to talk about when it comes to playoff seating where you have two SEC teams make it quite often due to the fact that Georgia and Alabama are in opposite sides of their divisions, um, which could change in the future. I know there's a couple of conferences that have discussed removing divisions entirely, especially with the added teams with the SEC and the Big Ten um, and loss of teams like the Pac-12. But uh, with that, you know, you don't want the two SEC teams playing each other for the first round. Nobody wants to see that. You want to see... You want to see the, the different matchups from different conferences that haven't had a chance to play each other all year. Mm-hmm. You know, you want Cincinnati to play Alabama. You don't expect Cincinnati to win, but it's still a good matchup and you'll enjoy watching it in the same way with Michigan, Georgia. So I think it's kind of an unspoken thing, but I've every single playoff that I've seen, they've always matched them up in some way where they're yeah. not playing each other in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm pulling up right now. Um, we, we talked a little bit about this. So let's let's kind of shift gears here and go talk about some of the the restructuring that took place. Um, so the Big 12, I want to focus on for a little bit because they only had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The Big 12 only had 10 schools at the end of last year with Oklahoma and Texas. And they they dropped. And to their credit, when I first heard Oklahoma and Texas were dropping, and then I heard rumors that UCLA and um, USC were going to the Big Ten, I was thinking, this is going to be a perfect scenario to where we see a Pac-12, Big 12 merger. And I don't know what they'd call it. But that made sense to me because ge- geographically you can make an argument. It's, you know, you got some of the Southern schools and, you know, Iowa State is, you know, Kansas. It's like Western Midwest. And then you got the West Coast. Like that made sense to me. Um, but to the Big 12's credit, they said, you know, we're not thrown in the towel. We're going to go pick up a couple other schools. Um, and, you know, BYU um, University of Central Florida, um, Cincinnati and Houston, uh, all scheduled to join, uh, the big 12. Um, they're going to be all joining, uh, next year, 2023. Right. So my, w- my best case scenario for an expanded playoff requires either four, four power, uh, power four or like two, like major huge conferences. Um, we were talking about this at the bar a couple weeks ago. Yes. And I, thought, I could talk playoffs forever. Uh, I, yeah. I so that's what we're going to get into right now. And you thought my idea was crap, but I like my idea. So I think that there should be, there should be a, at least a minimum of 16 teams in the playoffs. If you want to do 20 and give the, the first, the top four, a first round buy, 
I'm I'm all for it. Um, but another thing that I would love to see implemented is that if you and this is this is if you play like an FCS school or a lower level D1 school, um, you should in turn have to schedule an out of conference power five school in place of that. And to, and then, then what we, what would happen is the schedules would balance themselves out. And then you could have a situation where we don't have to rely on this arbitrary ranking system, top 25 or whatever to place these teams. We go by record like they do. in I don't know, Every single fucking other sport, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's um, not a, it's not a random. It, and there's uh, a lot of people don't even know this either. There's only 13 seats on that playoff committee. That's not a large sample size of any means. You no, have one and homer all of that those, likes the team. All of those guys have ties to some university or mm-hmm. conference, so it's yep. incredibly biased. And it's the the way that they evaluate it is so arbitrary. I one of the things. You ever tune in to Colin Coward's show? I do not. Okay, so he, he for those of you who don't know, he does a he does a, a sports a sports talk show every day on Fox Sports, um, and he he does a he does his like Power Ten rankings every week, and I find his rankings to be incredibly more accurate than everyone else's because he he has no like allegiances or bias i mean he's a little bit of a west coast homer so he, he loves usc and ucla but um i just i i like that idea having the the te- the, the games matter more during the regular season to where they c- like you can determine who makes the playoffs by record alone right and you know, that, that really comes down to doing it over. I wouldn't mind it being a computer model at all. When it comes down to a computer model, you actually get the best teams that are in the playoffs. The problem is, is that if you do a straight computer model, you will not have any team that's not in the power five make it there. For sure. It's just, it's just not going to happen. I, I guarantee if you went down to an actual computer model, Cincinnati's probably in the like 10th last year, mm-hmm. but they deserve to make it. They went undefeated. They played a couple of tough teams. And it, I think they deserved every shot to make the playoffs. It's just, if it came down to an actual computer model, you wouldn't have a chance for those schools to make it. For sure. And here's the thing. Remember, I'm old enough. How old are you? I'm 27. Oh, you're, you're my, okay. I was about to say, I'm old enough to remember back when we did use the computer model and everybody hated it because there were only two teams in the playoffs. But yep. I, you can make an argument that if there's 20 teams in the playoffs, you can argue that a team should have been a six seed and they were a nine seed, but you're not having like, like for instance, Utah, uh, I I believe it was Utah about 10 years ago when they were still using that model. Um, it might've, it must've been more than that. It was, I think it was like 2008, 2009. They went undefeated. They won their bowl game. They, they, they beat a power five team in their bowl game. And like, that they don't get a shot to play for the national championship. They beat everybody that they played. Granted, some of those games were probably against Our Lady Queen of the Deaf, but like it, it is what it is. They they beat everybody on their schedule, and they don't get a chance to compete for a playoff game. Like I I hated that model. Yeah, and going with that, you know, so I guess that's kind of a good segue into the the numbers back into the numbers of this on the 18 team versus the yeah. 18 versus the 12 and 14 models. I've seen those before too. Mm-hmm. I actually 
think that the 12 model is probably my favorite that I've seen. Okay, so tell me your model if, okay, all of a sudden NCAA calls you and say, Zach Davis, we are making you the czar of college football and you get to pick your playoff model and we are going to implement it this year. How do you do it? So I would probably, it's a little bit hard to say because I there is what would be great for now with five power conferences. There'd be what's good for two, what's good for four. And we really don't know how that's going to play out in the future. Um, but if I had my ideal scenario, I could, you know, make sure that teams stayed in conferences, which I can't, and nobody has mm-hmm. that power. Yep. But if I had the ability to do that, I would have four uh, power conferences. Um, okay. I would assume that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 merge or something along those lines. Okay. Um, and I would have actually conference title games be basically play-in games for the the four uh, given buys for the power five. So, well, power four in that case, I apologize. So in that case, you'd have the conference title winner and you'd seed them. You could do that based on a computer model or based on a voting system. I don't necessarily mind the voting system because every, I believe it's Tuesday night, they come out with the college football rankings and millions of people watch that too, just to see where their team is ranked. That's so that's just free TV money right there. Yep. But um, when it comes to that, uh, I would say seated in probably a, some form of voting system. If I did do a voting system, I'd probably do more than 13 chairs with associated with universities as we've talked about. Yeah. But um, I would have it where you'd have the first, the, the conference title winners of the top four be, be the four uh, automatic bids. And those teams have buys in the first round, which leaves you with the remaining eight teams. And the eight teams would play each other. You'd have the 12 seed play the five seed and so on down the list. Uh, And I'd actually personally like it where there is actually home and away games only for this round. I agree. And the reason why I like home and away games, it really, it really, I feel like college football is meant to be in a home and away series. It's not meant to be in some far away, you're not going to the Rose Bowl if you're an Ohio State fan, I you know, as much as you would going to your own home stadium in a playoff game, you're going to attract everybody that's that's going to the university at the time. Home you're going to sell adv- out. Home field advantage is something that is completely underrated in college football. Like, it, it I, I think everybody knows that it's an advantage, but it's not talked about enough. Because in a second, I'm going to show you... Um, um, if, if it's Penn State, I already know what you're talking about. It's exactly it. And I'm, and I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to play this clip here um, for those watching just so you get some... So you, so you can have this context of what the... Um, what, I saw what, this video like two weeks ago. I know. <laughs> this is a good video. It's, it's crazy. Can you see it? Yeah, I can see it. I, I see it. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy too. You don't whiteouts are absolutely insane. So the center is stand it, the the quarterback is standing four yards behind the center, and the center cannot hear him scream and clap because to get the snap off, 
Which, by the way, if you're Michigan, that's a coaching mistake. Like you, you have to be you, walking into that stadium. You got on Friday. You have to be like, okay, we're on a silent count at least in the fourth quarter, and at least in the first quarter until we calm these these crazy drunk Penn State students down. <laughs> yeah, and but I, um, but my my point is like like what to, what you said. Like home field advantage is such a crucial element of college football especially for the good teams that the fact that for these big meaningful games they can't the teams that earned it can't can't capitalize on it i think that's a travesty yeah definitely and when it comes to home field games i don't i, I don't know how many people have actually experienced watching a penn state whiteout game live that that is the difference of 10 points mm. uh, it's it's absolutely insane i I mean, I know there's the 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 twelfth man at Texas A&M and and the swamp for Florida, but I I haven't seen any college football environment like Penn State does with their whiteouts, mm-hmm. and it's always a night game, and it's so loud, like you said, you can't even hear the uh, the cadence or or uh, the claps of the quarterback, and it, actually how Ohio State prepares for this game because it seems like every other year it's Ohio State because they play mm-hmm. every other year at Penn State. And the other yep. year they play Michigan at at uh, or Michigan plays Penn State at Penn State, so they usually just switch the white or the whiteouts back and forth between Michigan and Ohio State. So I'm sure if you're a Michigan fan, you understand as well. But the way mm-hmm. that uh, Ohio State actually prepares for these games is they'll pump in like a ton of noise into the stadium on their loudspeakers mm-hmm. and just basically try to practice without hearing because no, you won't be able to. That's how you have anything. to do it. Yeah, yeah. It Absolutely. it is. It's actually an insane environment, and it's really. It's really exciting. It gives me chills watching those videos. It does. Because it's such an environment. It's so it's it's unique and college. And I loved it. One of my first I think this may have been the first. Maybe not the first. It might have been like the third college football game I ever went to. It was Michigan State versus Ohio State. It's in Spartan Stadium. And it was the year that Ohio State won the national championship with Zeke Elliott and, and that that group. So um, going into it, I'll, I'll never forget. This is like a core memory for me. I think it was 2000. What year did they win it? 2012? 2014. 2014. Okay. So 2014, we're in the stadium and I just like it, the, like the, it was just so electric. And I remember Michigan State walking out to an to the song, um, I want to say it was uh, uh, The Second Coming by Jules Santana, one of my favorite workout songs ever. But they're walking out onto the field and they, oh my gosh, this is going to bug me that I can't remember this dude's name. Um, but one of their defensive linemen had one of those like, um, those weird face ma- face masks that had the the jagged things in it whatever I, i'm gonna have to put a visual up on the yeah screen i'm gonna for have it. to see it i'm um, not i'm not fully comprehending what you're saying uh hold on one second this is gonna be a pause in the show because i gotta find this um oh, michigan state that's another bitter rivalry right there too is the michigan state michigan game yeah um let's see here uh, 
Shalit Calhoun. Okay. Okay. He was a monster. Okay. He was one of the first guys in. Gosh, that's almost 10 years ago. That's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Wow, right. GA's Nick Ruffin. No, 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 no. Okay. So I just found a YouTube video of him. Okay. So I'm going to share my screen with you. One of those face masks. Oh, yep. I've seen these before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, he was in the front of the line. They're all kind of like locked arms. And the cameraman was in front of them, and they're walking towards the camera, and you can see it up on the big screen. And the stadium is so loud and so just jumping around. And, like, the camera is shaking because the – because I don't know if the cameraman was moving and just wasn't stable, but it looked like on the screen that – this the place was so loud that the camera was shaking all over the place and you see like this herd of Michigan State players led by that monster just <laughs> coming right at you and it was a, it was like a feeling I'd never forget I was like holy smokes like and it it was a great game I think Kirk Cousins or Connor Cook I think was a quarterback actually at the time and it was a great game Michigan State lost by a touchdown or two I think but it was it was an outstanding game yeah, and you you have that kind of tradition. Those those different songs. There's the "We Are Penn State" song as they come in. Yeah, a lot of people will recognize that. The jump around. But can you imagine that is a that is a regular Wisconsin. season game? Yes. That is one win or one loss. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that environment in a game that matters? Yep. Well, and that's, that would be that's nuts. The thing too. Yeah, with with college football, especially if you're trying to make the playoffs, you don't lose. You can't lose. So right. games that have that kind of magnitude to it every single game, they always have that pressure. Mm-hmm. And the fans are, you know, you have a bunch of drunk college kids going to these games. They're all sure. fired up too. But um, yeah, that you get some you get some really unique environments that you don't always get in the NFL. It's a little bit more mature. Uh, it's part of the reason why I like college football more. You know, everything is very scripted in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll have your your standard, you know, oh, we're gonna run X amount of plays, we're gonna pass X amount of plays. Um, we're going to do the two minute drive down the field. And then you have a game. I think it was like Colorado. I think it was, gosh, I I don't even remember who specifically it was playing. I think Colorado was one of the teams and they had a, uh, they returned the kick for a touchdown. The, uh, the, the extra point attempt was blocked and returned for a two point conversion for the other team. Well, that happened. (laughs) That happened in a span of, well, no game time, technically, because mm-hmm. he scored the touchdown off yep. of the kickoff, which I, I think it was no, like No seconds. plays from scrimmage. And there's right. No plays th- from scrimmage. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was, you don't, you're not going to have that in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. It's everyone's, everyone's too good at that point. It's kind of how I see it with, uh, it's almost the exact opposite where in football, offenses are too good in college and defenses. Mm. I feel like mature into being better. The older they get and the more experience they get. While when you're talking about with basketball, you have it where the offenses mature into being better in the, uh, in uh, professional basketball. I mean, you just Mm. have people dropping threes from half court and stuff. I mean, Steph Curry's amazing and stuff like that too. And LeBron, you know, you can't stop him. I might be a little bit older talking about those kind of players because I don't watch the NBA that much, Mm. but, um, yeah, no, there is there's a huge difference in scoring. You have teams that are scoring well over a hundred, 
compared to college where the the natural state is scoring 60 to 70 points per game. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Um, okay, so here's my solution to the college football playoff. Not terribly different than yours, but with a twist. So there are currently 130 teams in the in, in D1 college football right now. So 130 total teams. I think you need to take the top 64. And so this is Czar Justin gets to do whatever he wants with college football. And that includes conference realignments. So you have 130 teams total. You take the top 64 college football teams, however you want to grade it, by the way. I think that you could you could grade it by performance, but you could also grade it on uh, on money too. Like you know, um, U- UCLA has had a few down years. They they haven't been that great in a while, but they're UCLA. They have a lot of money. Put them in the top sixty four. I don't care. Um, and then so you have two. You have like a D one A and a D one B kind of class or whatever. You take. From that 64, you align it geographically, so you have four major conferences, right? So, right. Um, and so you've got the north, south, east, and west. So, and that could be a little, you know, you might have to take a little creative liberty with that because you some of the powerhouses are stacked in certain parts of the country. So maybe, maybe you, maybe you even take it where you've got 64 teams. And then within that 64, you break it down into four. Um, you do like a, you do like an east and a west, but then you do like a, you do like a, you know, an, a, a, a west A and a west B, and then a west, a, a, an east A and an east B, kind of like right. mix it up a little bit. Have, have an NL, AL, like exactly, NLB does. Exactly, yeah. AFC, NFC type situation. And right. then from that, so, so you get, so you get the good rivalries, so you don't have to worry about like Michigan state and Michigan and Ohio state not playing each other every year, because that's one of the things that this whole conference realignment thing and divisions, by the way, I hate divisions within those conferences. So, um, you, you don't lose those good rivalry games, Alabama, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, like those games will still happen every year. Um, but then you from that 64 you break it down into those four conferences each conference has a four game playoff okay so you have your and they're in their home playoffs okay so you have your you break it down in so let's say the 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 east or we'll call it the northeast has Michigan state Ohio state um Michigan and throw in a an at large team, we'll call it. Maybe Clemson ends up in the in the Northeast or something like something weird right. like that because they're all realigned, right? You have a, you have a you rank them one through four, and you have a four team playoff to advance to the next round, and then wash, rinse, repeat, and then the the higher seed higher seeded team gets at least two home games, right? But right. And then, and then it all funnels up and you can figure out the rest, blah, blah, blah. But there's a catch. The bottom 10 teams in that 64, the next year, they go down to that D1B. Hmm. And then the top 10 teams from D1B go up to D1A and everything realigns. 
every Interesting. year. Interesting. And it's mass chaos. <laughs> that would that would be mass chaos. You know, that would be fun though. But I it mean, also but here's the thing though, because it also puts to rest that the regular season games don't matter. Because if Michigan State has a really bad year and they go two and eight, that that eleventh game or that twelfth game of the year that quote unquote doesn't matter. They're fighting for their freaking lives so they don't go to D one B. Right. And that's that's the big reason why we were talking about with the computer model too, because sometimes it doesn't even matter if you if you're especially if you're gonna make the playoffs anyways, kind of mm-hmm. aspect. It doesn't matter. But it gives uh, every it gives yeah. everyone something to fight for. Because yeah, if you, you're if you're a power five team and you've lost three games, you know that you're not going to the playoff in the current format. So do the games really matter that much every week? Or are they at that point just say, Hey, we're gonna try to maybe ruin someone else's season and get to a good bowl game? Right, for sure. I, so I, it's just I so anticlimactic. That. Like I want more. <laughs> bowl, bowl games are are definitely pointless, anyways. Um, that's why I feel like bowl games should really just be playoff games. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of where it's trending to, anyways. Sure. I mean, no one cares to watch the Quicken Lanes Bowl with Central Michigan and Fresno State. Who gives I mean, a flip? Fresno State's all right, but <laughs> who gives a flip? Yeah, By no the one way, cares. And then. And then you take that same model with the bottom, would it be 66 teams or whatever, and you do a a 16-game playoff the same way that you did with the top tier, and the winner of that gets an automatic bid to go up, even if you've got like a... let's say, What's a good example of like a good like team that would probably end up in, in that D1B category that you could think of? Maybe like a... That would fall to a D1B or would come up from a D1B? That would probably start there, and then maybe they've run off a good season. Like, okay, let's I would take say what, Boise State would be a good example. Boise of that. State, great example. I'll, I'll, I'll go out on a limb here, and this is a bit of a homer pick, but Western Michigan, if you, if you were to draw this up right now, Western Michigan would definitely be D1B, but mm-hmm. we all know that they went 12 and they went, 12 and 0 that a, a few 12 years and 0 back. regular season and then they and they played great against wisconsin in, yeah that in game the, was really close until about halfway through the fourth quarter it was a great game like yeah. they they gave wisconsin wisconsin wanted nothing to do with them after that game so like that that type of that type of thing could happen and you could have a directional school all of a sudden playing games that matter you know now, I'll say this. The one thing about my plan that doesn't work is the fact that these rosters are so cyclical that Western hasn't been relevant since they went 12-0 and that one year. Coach and, left, roster and you turns definitely, over. You'll definitely run into a little bit more, too. I mean, this is going to happen anyways because there's such a disparity between those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're definitely going to have teams that will fall down and they're going to stay down there forever. And yep. you're going to have teams that will... I mean. Take Vanderbilt for example. Like that team is in the SEC. They're in the they've best sucked conference. forever. They're not they're, good at football. Yes, they're very bad at football. They they will not be good at football anytime in the foreseeable school. future. Exactly. Yeah. It's and the SEC is really good at baseball, but mm-hmm. it's it's but a matter you, of like, you do not want to run into Vandy at in in June if you're playing yep. baseball. I'll just I'll just say it like that. They've been yep. in the College World Series. I don't know every year for the last decade i want to say they're they're really good at baseball but here's here's the thing that you just said there are some schools that are going to be down in that d1b forever guess what they're already in that 
category right now in the current model. They suck. Right. They will always suck. They will never be good at football. But now you give them something to play for. It's almost like the NIT. Yep, I definitely, I definitely agree. So and yeah, it's uh, I, I had my own like, well, you can really get into the weeds in these kind of thought processes too. Because absolutely, nobody really has any idea what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. If somebody says they know what happens, they're crazy. Don't listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you actually start thinking about this, I mean, I had this whole process at one point just for fun one day where I came up with that that whole entire model as well. I picked teams for it. And I kind of had like a North and South vibe going on because mm-hmm. you have the two parts of the country that care the most about college football are the Midwest yep. and the deep South. Yep. And that, that's a good are, way to, that's a good way to shake it out. So especially if you're going to break it up from like an East to West perspective, you would have to do something where you'd have like a West a West B kind of thing. East, East a East B mm-hmm. where you'd actually have a mix there. You'd have, you know, Ohio State on one and then Michigan on the other, which I wouldn't like, but you get mm-hmm. the point. Yeah. Um, you'd have to have some kind of mix up like that because mm-hmm. the majority of the teams are East Coast, North and South. There yeah. is the Pac-12, which exists, and it's really just the coastal teams in that area. And there's this ma- yeah, this massive gap in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Where you're, you're 100%. Now that you think about it, it does make a lot more sense to draw a line down the middle right here. And then it does to do east and west because, I mean, unless you do, like, the line here. Yeah. And there's still going to be some disparity, too, mm-hmm. even if you're doing uh, north and south. Yep. Uh, I actually kind of like the fact that USC and UCLA are, would be in the north, even though they're southern California. Yeah. It's just kind of, it gives you a little bit over the line. In my model, I had Louisville and Kentucky. Those are two mm-hmm. schools from the same state and different different north and south. So there's a little bit of spread in the middle to kind of even them out, but I think it's a more clear-cut line than going east and west unless you're going to do like I had said where you have some east schools in the west and some west schools in the east. Yeah. So it really just doesn't break down perfectly geographically. It and, doesn't. I mean, shit, the, the Red Wings played in the Western Conference for years until that got realigned not too long ago. So like it was very common for the Red Wings to be playing a weekday game in San Jose, like, you know, very regularly. And that all comes down to, if you want to talk geographic as well, um, I had also split my teams into some geographical points, but you also want to have that power team to represent each division or at least one or two power teams. So you keep Michigan, Ohio State together. You'd have Notre Dame, Wisconsin together. Mm-hmm. You'd have Penn State, and I think I had like Virginia, Virginia Tech, or North Carolina or something yeah. in in my far east one. And then in the west, you'd have SEC, the uh, USC and Oregon and Washington. So yeah. each one of those would have a, a a couple of really good teams that are mixed in with some that maybe aren't so good but still make the top. Uh, what was it, 128 teams that we had mm-hmm. talked about? Yeah. So yeah, I think that I think that could be interesting. And once again, you could just I, I I've thought about it too, where you have since you're basically coming the the power two programs, right mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, every year you were talking about disparity where you have to schedule a power five. Why not have it where you have the Big Ten SEC challenge for yeah. the first game of the year? I where love you have it. where you have the number one of the SEC plays the number one of the Big Ten and the two and the two three and three down from last year. I love and that. So, and it, you'll have home and away, 
home and away, home and away, mm-hmm. and it'll go down and, and switch sides each year so it's balanced and fair. And I think yeah. that would really that would really be a great way to start the season too. Hundred percent. It's you have, it, you all have those these games marquee awesome. matchups mm-hmm. on week one, just chock full of them. That would be incredible. So you and, don't have like Michigan State opening at you know Central Michigan, right? I mean, who cares? It's going to be a noon game that is forty nine dick by halftime, and then nobody cares, right? I think. I mean, Michigan's out of conference schedule this year might be the softest out of conference schedule I think I've ever seen Michigan play. Oh, let's pull I, that up. We I, I love a good Michigan roast. <laughs> I mean, I, you're scheduling these way in advance, but I got to tell you, you would have had to have known none of these teams are going to be good when you were scheduling them. And there's not really an incentive to really schedule those top games as long as you're, you're right. winning you're right. your division. Nick I Saban mean, hasn't played in a, 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 like a road regular season game against a Power 5 conference team in years. Like yep. they, Alabama does not schedule the road South doesn't games. go north. That's that's yeah. the issue. That's why I like the home and away games. By the way, the funniest meme I've ever seen about this was that that lady that's bending over looking confused at something, and and the caption is when uh, UCLA um, goes to Iowa and sees them run three tight ends out at the field at once. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. Oh okay. man! So Michigan's got. Colorado State at home. Wow, what a cupcake. Hawaii at home. Okay, uh, Hawaii has to travel like, I don't know, 17 time zones to get to Ann Arbor. So that's, yes. uh, you know, good for you, Michigan. At uh, least that's then, an 8 p.m. game. So it's not that they're playing at like okay. 4 in the morning Hawaii okay. time. But Fair I've, enough. I've seen I've seen stuff like that before. Fair enough. Michigan's got UConn. Is this a basketball game or a football game? It's a football game. Okay, that's pretty soft. Maryland. Yeah. Okay. How are they opening the season four games in a row at home and they're that's their out of conference schedule too their their top three are all out of conference games that's all they play out of conference and they play the rest of their conference they're they're guaranteed matchups and i believe their crossover games yeah their crossover games are against uh uh nebraska and uh, scroll down a little bit maybe i miss oh and iowa so iowa is probably one of the tougher games on their schedule but michigan has Michigan has two tough games, two tough road games this year at Iowa, which they should win, and at Ohio State. Yes, and and I would agree, except for they 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 have some bad mojo when you go and play in Iowa. I mean, they use black magic there. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Iowa's a weird one, man. You can never figure. Well, Iowa is going to pick off a top five team every year. Does not I, matter. I got to tell you, it also doesn't help the visitor when they decide to build a. Uh, children's cancer uh, hospital right overlooking the stadium. Yep. And then they do interviews before their game, and it's like, oh, my one wish is that I or is that Iowa beats Ohio State, and it's like, oh my gosh, like that's <laughs> so funny. How can you not root for them at that point? <laughs> it, it's a little bit messed up, I gotta say. But okay, well, <laughs> they do okay. do that now as a centrist host. Let's look up Ohio State schedule. I think Ohio State has a decent schedule this year okay let's see here okay notre dame at home okay not a cupcake the next two are cupcakes yeah arkansas state and toledo oh good hell that's bad um okay then wisconsin at home okay so two out of four you do have two of those games so i'm not being hypocritical here uh ohio state starts out their first five games at home 
Okay. Instead of Michigan that starts out their first four games at home, but they do oh, have yeah. two wow. top 20 matchups. In there. Okay. And then um, their first tough road game will be at Michigan State. I have um, tickets to that game. Oh, good for <laughs> I'm you. I'm excited for that one. That That's going to be a good game. That's going to be a really good game. Um, they got Iowa at home at Penn State. That's tough. How mm. is Michigan not playing Penn State this year? Or did I just miss that? No, it switches back and forth each year. Um, so yeah, and which is actually interesting because I think I think uh Fox Sports stole this one from Penn State, where they basically said, Yeah, you're gonna be playing on the big noon kickoff, which is what Fox Sports uh prime time time slot is. Gotcha. And so Penn State can't do their whiteout now. So I think oh. they scheduled I don't even know who they scheduled. It was it wasn't even like a great team to play their their whiteout game, but oh, that's yeah, annoying. It's uh, they kind of they kind of got screwed over a little bit there, but yeah, okay. They they go back and forth between Michigan and Ohio State. I would say Ohio Ohio State has a tougher schedule than Michigan. I would. It's say really that just with, that starting one with Notre Dame, but okay. they do have their their crossover. Well, and Penn State because Michigan doesn't even play Penn State, right? And Ohio State also has crossover games against Wisconsin and Iowa, mm-hmm. which are probably two of at least the top three that are going to be coming out of the West this year. Definitely, definitely. Now let's look at the uh, Michigan State schedule. Um, Google doesn't know who MSU... Just ignore that I spelled Spartans wrong right there. Okay, <laughs> opening at Western Michigan. Well, eh, no. Michigan, Western Michigan at home, Akron at home, at Washington. Okay, that's interesting. They're they're playing a Power Five team on the road, which uh, U of M and OSU aren't doing. That's correct. That's pretty cool. Okay. Yep. Minnesota at home, row the boat. Um, going to Maryland, cupcake. Got Ohio State at home, cupcake. Um, (laughs) Wisconsin at home, at Michigan. At Illinois, at Rutgers, or Rutgers at home, Indiana at home, at Penn State. I think, does Michigan State have the toughest schedule? No. I would say Ohio State by a little bit. They do have crossover matches against Minnesota and Wisconsin, which Minnesota is also a decent school from the West as well. So it's not like they're getting, uh, uh, and Illinois. It's not like they're getting the easiest to the easiest teams, but for sure they do. They do have uh, a couple of of tougher games that are crossover games. I mean, the, say, the Eastern Division is way better than the West for Big Ten, but definitely, I would say Ohio State one, Michigan State two, Michigan bunch of cupcakes. So, all right, man. Well, hey, let's uh, let's wrap this up and put it on. A, put a bow on it. So, um, what are your expectations as a Ohio state fan for what you guys are going to accomplish this year? Well, I expect us to beat Michigan by 50. Uh, okay. number one, no, I'm joking, but realistically, uh, I do expect Ohio state to go undefeated going into the playoffs. Um, my reasoning for that, they have two tough games that I think they have the chance of losing. Barring maybe Penn State at Penn State, that's going to be a tough game for them. And at Michigan State, those will be tough games. Yep. Uh, I still, however, I mean, case in point from last season, Ohio State, Michigan State, I still think that it probably won't be as big of a blowout, but I still think that Ohio State wins that game at Michigan State and Penn State. So the big ones you have is Notre Dame and Michigan. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the Notre Dame game is going to completely hinge on the fact of does Ohio State have a average defense? Mm-hmm. Defense is definitely the big question for Ohio State, and they brought in Jim Knowles, which was the defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State, and he's got this really crazy, funky, but very strategic defensive style that he plays. He plays this three safety look and they're switched around between linebackers and, and dropping coverage and blitzes. It's um, it's a very unique defense and it confuses offenses. If you do it right. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little bit concerned that for the first game of the season, learning a whole new system, a complex system as is yeah. too, that hopefully the defense doesn't extremely underperform a or B is good enough to the point where it is at least above average and mm-hmm. can keep up and, and and not not have the defensive struggles that Ohio State had last year, which cost them the playoff. But so that's number one. That's going to be the big factor for the Notre Dame game. And number two, I would say for the Michigan game, I I personally have to say that this is going to be hyper-focused for Ohio State. This reminds me so much of the Clemson rematch in the playoffs from – uh, I believe it was 20, 2020 or 2019. I think it was 2020. Mm-hmm. I think it was a COVID year. Um, maybe it was 2021. Anyways. Uh, no, it wasn't 2021. 2020. Um, and in that, Ohio State got kind of ripped off in this year before that in 2019. They had a couple of bad calls. Uh, me being a homer, I can say that, I guess. But uh, it was definitely had some controversial plays, and it was a really close game. And then Ohio State came back the next year and they dropped, I think it was 21 points in the third quarter to nothing. Yeah. And and then it was, or maybe it was the second quarter and then it was off to the races. And yeah, JT Barrett just went nuts in that game. Yeah. It was actually Justin Fields. Justin Fields. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It was, uh, it was definitely a revenge game. Mm -hmm. And I see it kind of similarly matching up for this Ohio State Michigan game. I see a lot of arrogant Michigan fans out there now saying that, oh, I think the rivalry is going to be, you know, 50-50 or close to it. And (laughs) I might be calling out some people here, but I have to ask what has changed. If there is a fundamental thing that has changed, I could get on board and agree with you. The only thing that I can think of that I've heard people say, and this isn't even a great reason, is, oh, they needed to win so they could break the seal and break the curse on the series. Okay, is that does that really account for winning now 50% of the times from going 10 years straight without a single win? Maybe it accounts for a couple. I'll give you a couple there. But you talk about offensive coordinator. Their offensive coordinator left last year. Talk about defensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator left last year. You talk about their best player, their uh, defensive end, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, I think was mm-hmm. his name. Yeah. And then they had their other defensive end. I, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Yeah, I went but, to the Packers. Yeah, both of them left. Um, then you have recruiting classes as well. That'd be the number one way that you catch up to Ohio state Mm -hmm. as you recruit on their level. Michigan is not there yet. In fact, they're one of the lower ranked recruiting classes for a playoff appearance in the playoff era. Mm -hmm. So there, there's some definite question marks that I would have as to why that series is now even in the minds of a lot of Michigan fans. But you know, I, I, we're going to play the games. We're going to find out. And, you know, maybe, maybe they are a lot better and maybe it is a lot closer. But yeah, once I, I start seeing that, I, people forget Michigan State did, or excuse me, Michigan did not win 
that game against Ohio State last year because of their offense. They won it because of their defense. Mm-hmm. And they have sustained substantial losses on the defensive front, especially in the box, that, that front seven. Um, hey, when you got th- like four guys that go in the first couple rounds of the, the NFL draft, hey, that means you had a really good team that year. But you know what it also means? Those guys ain't there this year. So do they have the pipeline to backfill and replace those guys? I don't think you're replacing an, an Aiden Hutchinson, which by all accounts um, might be the surest um, first-round pick in this entire NFL draft this year, but based on the way that he's performing, at least in training camp and preseason and stuff like that. Like when Georgia has, I don't know, five to seven guys go in the first round of the NFL draft. Um, like, like when you're playing college football, but you've got pro athletes that six months later are going to be wearing, a, uh, like a, you know, an F- NFL jersey and going out and playing against those guys. It's a it's a different game than when you're a Michigan State and you might have one guy, maybe three guys get drafted. Right. So. And that's that's a that goes into a much deeper conversation too. We don't have to get all the way into it, yes, but uh, yeah, Michigan I feel like has had a culture shock in the last ten years when it comes to that. I mean, you don't have four year quarterbacks in the in college anymore. They're gone in mm-hmm. two. Uh, yep. Ohio State has mastered the aspect of I'm going to go out and recruit the best quarterback I can every year, and if they stay, great. If they leave, well, we'll just pick up somebody else. Alabama's the same way. Georgia's the same way. You have the transfer portal now that's practically infinite. You can just leave at any time. I mean, some people forget that literally like two or three years ago, Justin Fields transferred to Ohio State, and he had to have an exemption just to transfer and play in the same year. Yeah, that that was there was a lot more barriers to the transfer portal that are not not there anymore. So, it you got to be able to recruit in that top ten, top five, even area on a constant level. Yeah, definitely. Well, all right. That do you have anything else? Nope. I mean, I could, like I said, I could talk for a while. <laughs> so <laughs> you just let me know. <laughs> no. Well, hey, that's about a show. We've got about an hour in. So, hey, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you for taking Tyler's spot. I appreciate you. And uh, let's get you back on in a month or two, and we'll see how this uh, the season is going for your uh, for your Buckos and. Hey, maybe uh, maybe th- some things will shake up in uh, some of the team. Maybe there'll be some dark. Well, hold on before we go. Okay, give me a dark horse team. Um, maybe not in the Big Ten. A dark horse team somewhere that you're like, they haven't really been that relevant the last few years, but maybe they could make some noise this year. This wasn't on the script. I'm going off script. To be honest, uh, I could say a number of things that might be, and it also depends. You expect them to make the playoffs, or do you expect it to be good, like really good that you weren't expecting? Because there is a lot of dark horses out this year. Especially, we'll, we'll with- call it. We'll call it. They'll 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 be they'll be significantly better than they were last year, and maybe win like a they'll they'll upset somebody, um, and, and maybe ruin somebody's season. Okay. Um, very I would broad. Say- <laughs> Very, very broad. I would say one of the teams that might be, uh, well, we'll go with we'll go with one that uh, I'm trying to think. I'm thinking of so many right now. There's a couple that are in there. Uh, Mine's one Minnesota. That I can think of. Mine's Minnesota okay. this year. I think if, Minnesota could win the West. If I had to take one that is outside of the rankings right now, I would actually take Purdue. 
Okay. Um, I think Purdue has a pretty damn good quarterback, actually, and that offense is only going to get better. Uh, it really just depends if their defense doesn't suck again. Mm-hmm. But um, so there's that. I think Baylor is a decent uh, mm-hmm. chance to to potentially sneak into a playoff position okay. if they end up winning the uh, the Big Twelve. Um, I think a lot of people are down on Old Miss and Old Miss. People forget how good Old Miss was last year. They they lost their their uh, starting quarterback, but that team is pretty much intact for for this year as well. Um, and then you have all the coaches that moved around too. You know, mm-hmm. you have Oregon, you have USC, you have Oklahoma, and all of those teams are still going to be pretty damn good. It just depends on if they're able to incorporate their their new coaching style and, and mesh with their team the way that they're expecting to. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, that's a show. Zach, can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, enjoy the rest of your night. If you're still listening, I greatly appreciate it. Can't thank you enough. Um, if you're listening on YouTube, hey, click that link in the description. Um, get get subscribed on Spotify to the Wealthy Sports Lounge as well. Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, we're on. Um, what where do you get your podcasts, Zach? Usually, I'm on Spotify. That's Spotify. Where I get mine. Okay, yeah, that's about like thirty percent of our downloads. We get a lot from Apple, and uh, YouTube is a, a new thing that we're messing with, but it's been a lot of fun. So, anyway, thank you for tuning in. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon.